Today is found in the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, 40b through 42. It reads, They called in the apostles, and they had them flogged. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they continue to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah, the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I'm going to get to tell you about a place today where that came alive, that scripture came alive um, in just a few years, few short years after it was written. Uh, today, again, I stand before you, I want to tell you thank you for the sabbatical. Uh, little Roman was asking me, was it a good trip? And I told him it was probably the best thing our family has ever done together. Um, and so when you have that kind of life experience there, and I'm trying to distill it into just a few messages so you can get a taste of it, uh, it, it means that I'm going to have to make some choices on what I share because we really could be here for 10 hours, and I would tell you all of it. Um, but instead, we'll just be patient, and over the coming years, you're going to hear a lot of things I learned. And in these series about where God's shown a light for me in my heart along the way, I wanted to take you to one historical place where we kind of went expecting, although it was probably not the one I would have thought I'd be preaching on, but we went expecting to meet God there, and then one backroads encounter where God surprised us, as God so often does. So that'll be the backroads this next week, and this week is the historical place. And um, this was at the Colosseum. Now let me paint a picture for you about how we got there and the day that we were there. Um, we, this was our first day in Italy. And it was the kids' first experience in a country that didn't speak English. We'd been in the easy places like England and Scotland, and the kids were kind of getting the hang of this travel thing. And then, boy, y'all, we land in Italy, and all bets are off, right? I mean, the, the kids are like, we're hungry because it was a red eye. And, of course, they're hungry, so I have to go, like, with my very limited Italian, order croissants, okay? Because that had been our go-to thing, the croissant, right? A kid will eat a croissant. Well, I get the croissants, and I'm like, these don't look like English croissants, right? And I give them to the kids, and Anna's like, it's bread, whatever, I'll eat it, right? And Leah's like, this is disgusting. Why did they put honey on top of it? I mean, it was just like, whatever it was, it was, it was an airport croissant, right? But it was not a British croissant. So we get into the taxi, and believe it or not, with our backpacks, we were actually worried that our luggage, even though we only have the four backpacks, won't fit because the cars are so small. <laughs> so we're like, oh, please, oh, please, you know, like, give us it because it's just a cue. And so whoever you get is who you get. And you don't throw a fit. And you hope that they don't overcharge you. And so um, this was before we found Uber. So this is the way we were doing it. Well, our taxi cab driver, our luggage fit. The kids only had one bag maybe on their lap. But our taxi cab driver, he did not rip us off, but he was a spitfire. He, um, he was yelling at all these people as we're driving. Like, before we even leave the parking lot, he has this angry conversation with what? Like a taxi overseer. Like, and then he goes, right at the guy's feet. I was like, don't mess with the taxi cab driver. Don't mess with the taxi cab driver. And I'm praying. I mean, I'm like, please, God, let him take us where we need to go. <laughs> and so we're driving along the street, and this guy, not to belabor the point, but this little old man's crossing the street. And I guess he was doing it wrong. It didn't look wrong to me, but apparently it looked wrong to the taxi cab driver. 
Once again, this guy's like, blah, 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 in Italian. And the old man starts giving it back to him. Blah, 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 in Italian. Guess what he did? Into the conversation, right at his feet. I was like, wow. <laughs> so when he took us to near the place where we knew we needed to be, we weren't staying in hotels, so it wasn't like the Hotel Rome. It was like, this is the street, he said, the street. And we were like, thank you. Like, it wasn't like, oh, please get us exactly to the door. If this is where you want to take us, this is fine for us. So you'll see a picture of Kevin on his phone trying to, we use some of our precious data, and the kids are sitting there, and they're all, like, dejected, like, oh, my gosh, Mom, what have you gotten us into? Okay, so if you can just, and I realize I need to take a picture to show the church. This is kind of like backroads travel, right? So we found the place, you guys. We're, we're weary. We're, we're tired, and there's, we start walking up the stairs because we know the drill, walk up the stairs, we'll be on the top floor, you know, no air conditioning, it's kind of hot, but let's just go for it, you know, so we've got our backpacks on, we get to the top flight, and the lady who is the neighbor of the woman who has the apartment greets us there, a little old Italian lady, speaks not a word of English, and by gum, she's yelling at us too, in Italian, she's pointing at the kids, she's pointing at the backpacks, and she's pointing at this broom closet, I'm like, dear God, help me understand what we've done wrong this time. And finally, because of Spanish, it clicked into me, and I'm looking at that little broom closet, and I said to Kevin, she's angry because we have children and we didn't take the elevator. It's right there, she's saying. It's right there. And Kevin says, I thought that was the maintenance closet because it's like... So we're like, me dispiace, me dispiace. You know, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, buongiorno, (laughs) let's show us our apartment. So she goes in and shows us our apartment and that endearing Italian way that some Italian people have. She knows I speak like this much Italian and some Spanish. She just starts going in Italian. She's like telling us all the features of the apartment and the channels on the TV. She opens the windows and she is telling me the history of every building visible from the seventh floor of this apartment. And what a beautiful chiesa church that is over there and something about Mary. And I'm like, Grazie. <laughs> Kevin's just sitting back. Kevin and the kids are like. <laughs> so finally, Mrs. Casa Grande leaves. We're like, Arrivederci. She leaves, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I just need to sit and not do anything for a little while. And that's when the kids say, Mama, the Coliseum, right now. Let's go. Now, this kind of cracks me up because of all the things in Rome, y'all. There's the Vatican, right? There's St. Peter's Basilica. There's the Trevi Steps. There's fountains. There's the Forum. There's all of this stuff that's kind of exciting and good and gold. And they're like, take me to the Colosseum. You know, soaked in blood, take me there, mother, you know. And so I was like, okay, (laughs) we're having that kind of a day. The thunder is rumbling, so, I mean, it's like dark clouds. We're like, I don't know if we can make it. The kids are like, we're going to make it. And so we went to the Colosseum, and maybe they were excited because they kind of knew the history. And I thought you might like to see one of the films that we showed them, just to kind of get an idea, one minute, about the Colosseum and its place in history. So here it is. Okay, so that's like the history that we know. That's the history my girls are excited about. But there's a darker history here, too. 
And that's the one I'm debating telling them about. Because this is about finding God, and when you think about finding God, I often think about that joyful surprise encounter. And for their first, you know, experience of finding God in a country where they don't speak the language to be a dark one, I was really debating not just if I tell them the darker history, but how. So the darker history for Christians is that starting in the year Jesus died, Certainly by the time we read the book of Acts, Christians like you and me could not worship openly. We're considered enemies of the Roman Empire. And for half of the years between 30 when Jesus died, AD 30, and 313 when Christianity became legal, they were violently persecuted. Every, every other year, basically. So if you were alive, about half of your years were going to be spent in fear that your faith system would be discovered and you would suffer for it. And places like the Colosseum were where that punishment was carried out. For Rome, you may have heard me say, when Rome punished you for something, they were brutal and it was always public. And so some of the things that happened to Christians for their faith were um, being strangled, being lit on fire, burned alive, being thrown to wild dogs or wild animals, being crucified, being beheaded, um, just these horrific things. And whenever Rome did this, they were going to do this not in some shadowy corner. They were going to do it in the market. Nero, um, who was about 64 AD, Rome burned. Two-thirds of Rome burned, and he, he probably did it. But he pointed at the Christians and one of the punishments he inflicted upon Christians is to crucify them in his garden parties. And then as night came on, to set them on fire. They were like these torches. And they, the Roman emperors did things like this. They put them on crosses in marketplaces. They threw them to wild animals in arenas while the whole population was there. And their idea was to say, don't you ever defy Rome. If you do, we will crush you just like we crush these people. Now, why was Rome so against Christians? Well, the Roman Empire had a pretty friendly relationship with a lot of people they conquered because they were willing to take that conquered people's God and just put it into the Roman pantheon. Right next to Zeus and Athena, they just have another one. And for every other conquered people, this was fine because their God was still there and now their God was a Roman God. But Christians refused to put Jesus next to Zeus. They refused to say Jesus was just one of the Roman pantheon and that Caesar was one too. And so when it came to just basic things like being a Roman, you would make a sacrifice to your God who was the emperor, one of the gods. They weren't doing it. So they didn't have that certificate that said faithful Roman citizen. So they were pulled before tribunals and people said, you either give up your faith and make the sacrifice or we're going to kill you and it's going to be painful. And so the Colosseum is one of the places this happened. Where they sent people defenseless. Now gladiators had weapons. Christians they sent out either with their hands tied or holding nothing. And I know some of those stories, uh, one of them is helpful. This is the one I shared with the girls, and I, I was kind of like, do I share this? But one of them was of Perpetua. She kept a journal. She was not killed in the Colosseum. It was another amphitheater. 
She kept a journal about what she was going through. She was a young mother nursing her baby, the only person in her family that believed. And her entire family is telling her, you know, stop. Just make the sacrifice. That's it. You don't have to believe it. Anymore. Just make the sacrifice to the emperor and your, your baby. And she talks about over and over again how, you know, she's nursing her baby and thinking, I need to hold on to my faith. Not just for the sake of my own heart, but for the example for this child when they grow up and know what I've done. And there's this moment where she's on trial. She's weaned the child, so Rome has put her on trial. And the judge is begging her to just make the sacrifice to Caesar. And she won't do it. And her father actually breaks into the courtroom. He's holding her baby and he's saying, please, Perpetua, please for your baby. And she says, I cannot leave the side of Jesus Christ. And so Rome had this woman and another young mother and other believers. Um, they, they had a wild heifer that tossed her up in the air. And um, still the, the eyewitnesses say she collected herself and went over and wipes the tears from other people's faces. And they hold hands as they send out the leopards on these defenseless women. You know, and the whole town's watching and cheering it on. And, but they get quieter as it goes on. And she's dying, bleeding to death, but not dead. And so they send out the gladiators. And they, the gladiators, for once in their life, they couldn't do it. Because they've seen the way these women are singing and praying for each other and caring for each other. And it's said that Perpetua looked the gladiator in the eye who's standing over her shaking and tells him it's okay and grabs his hand and puts the sword to her neck. It's okay. She had faith that that wasn't the end. And so we're standing in the Colosseum. I'm like, okay, kids, here's the dark part. People like us died here. How do you meet God there? Well, it's not impossible to meet God in the darkness. And one of the amazing things is that this is Leah's favorite. Rome was Leah's favorite city, and she loved the Colosseum. I mean, she still talks about it. She talked about it throughout the whole trip. She'd go back to this. So you heard from Anna in her video, and I thought if you'd let me, let me bring Leah up so you could hear from her about what the Colosseum meant to her, if she's brave enough. Come up, babe. So, Leah, what did the Colosseum mean to you? Were you kind of surprised when I told you all that about it? Yes. What did it mean to you? Well, it um, at first, I just thought it was a old Roman building, just like a building that the Romans used just for the gladiators fighting and just for entertainment. Yeah. But when you told me that it was where Christians like us died for a second, I was very shocked and like I was like, why? Yeah, yeah. And what did you feel when you heard? Because I think I told you the story of Perpetua. Yeah, what did you feel? Well, I felt sad and then I felt kind of happy because um, I thought these Christians wouldn't give up their faith to God. And I think those are kind of God's really strong people that encourage other people to believe. Yeah. And this is kind of a personal question, babe, but did anything, did that do anything for your faith? I think it made my faith stronger. Yeah. How so? Well, I wanted to, um, in, like, I wanted to 
increase my faith in God and not make it go lower. Yeah. Make it go higher. Like they did? Yeah. Thanks, baby. That was awesome. Um, it's because it had this profound impact on Leah that I thought if we look for God in this dark place, it could have a profound impact on us to figure out how we meet God in the darkness and in suffering. And one of the questions that kids ask is, of course, and this one kind of surprised me, they said, Mommy, why didn't God save them? Didn't they pray? I mean, of course, my kids know about Daniel in the lion's den, and he prayed, and God shut the mouths of the lions. Of course, they know about the apostles in jail when, um, when they're praying and singing, and there's an earthquake, and they break, God breaks their chains. And these are the stories we teach them, and we're right to do that. But I realize I've got to teach them how God is with us in the darkness when our chains aren't immediately broken. And we have to keep walking through a hard time. And so the first thing that I told them when they said, you know, why did this happen is that the Holy Spirit is with you. And I told them about um, how, you know, even when the apostles, their chains are free, well, then people put them back in chains. And they had to believe that God was still with them. And so many of them, 10 of the remaining 11, died for their faith. And the only way they were able to do that, because we're all talking like, we would have been so scared. Imagine how frightened you would be, how frightened Perpetua was. And we decided the only way that you could stand through suffering, through darkness, is if, is if God doesn't leave you. And the next day we were in this place, the Mamertine prison. Can you see it's just like this hole? This is a place where Peter was thrown, where Paul was thrown different times. It's just a hole in the ground, and Rome put them there. And what's amazing is that this is the place where, where Paul would write, rejoice always. You know, he has to send a letter to the churches from this dark hole, and he's saying, rejoice. And so we talked about how, you might have heard Leah say it, I'm so glad she remembered that God can bring good from bad. You know, when we stand and we face the darkness and we know God is with us, God can bring good from the bad. That's such a witness that God can redeem it. It's not always redemption with the shedding mouths of the lions, that sometimes it's redemption through the pain. The next thing that we, we saw was the kingdom that matters. See, this is Dominician's palace. Dominician was one of the emperors that said, Christians, you will bow to me. You will kiss my sandal. You will make offerings to me and treat me like a god. And they said no. They said no to the Roman Empire that had conquered the known world. I mean, I can't imagine seeing this palace in all of its glory and the courage of these believers that said, I believe in a kingdom greater than this. And to walk through the ruined forum with all the old crumbling temples to Zeus and to Hermes, and to walk through the crumbling palace and to think, they were right. The empire that threatened them with death, that said, we are the strongest ever and you must submit and they said no 
they chose right. They chose God's kingdom over an earthly one. And we thought about that as we're standing there. We're like, because people like this made that choice for God's kingdom against the powers of the world, because they stood firm, now there are people all the way at home in Spicewood, Texas, a place that hadn't been discovered yet, and the kingdom of God is growing there. And everywhere we went, the kingdom of God is growing in those places. We met believers, and we're like, this is the everlasting kingdom. So if you're standing before the Roman emperor who's saying, I'm the God you need to worship, they were right to resist. Because the kingdom they gave their lives for is still going strong, and this one is dust. The final thing that we saw in um, Rome was their witness. The word martyr, I didn't know this. We know what martyr means. It means somebody who gives their life for their faith. Did you know that in Greek, that's the same word for witness? I didn't know that, that they're the same. And, but I did know what Leah said, which was because of the way that they died, because of how they faced the leopards and the crosses, because of how they forgave their jailers, because of that witness, all of these bloodthirsty Romans, you know, 50,000 people who came to see blood spilled and animals killed, they see these people die. And instead of going home and thinking, I am never going to go anywhere near Christianity, they find that that witness of people like Perpetua has shaken something loose within them, and they're saying, what is it that these people are willing to die for that I don't have? And so the more Rome tried to squash down Christianity, the more people believed Have we ever thought that the way we face the darkness and the suffering in our life could be a witness to others to believe? That's a cool idea. And I think oftentimes we are very ready to meet God in the sunshine, but we think, just get me out of the darkness. I'm with you. But what I want us to think about is, while we're in the darkness, while we're waiting for deliverance or we're waiting for what's next, how can we witness to our faith? And one of the things, the other question the kids asked me that I've been thinking about ever since then is Leah leaned over to me. She had just been looking at the bones of all the animals that were killed um, and thinking about how Christians had to face some of those. And she said, Mommy, what would you and Daddy have done? Did you think about that for a minute? What would you have done? And you guys, thank God, I don't think many of us are going to have to answer that question. But we do face suffering. And sometimes it is hard to stand up for our faith. And it's not a lion, it's just being embarrassed or Maybe knowing that it might compromise my ability to do business if I say that I'm a follower of Christ or it might call me to make different choices, whatever that is. Are we brave enough? Are you brave enough? Am I brave enough to say, God, I'm putting my feet on your path. 
no matter where it leads me. No matter the suffering, I'm not afraid. I know it's not because I'm doing something wrong if I'm suffering. It's not. These people were doing everything right, and they suffered. So the Colosseum inspires me to have the courage in the darkness to stand by God and to know that I am standing as part of a kingdom that will never fade. And I hope that all of us can have that courage too. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would be with us as you have been with believers throughout the centuries when we suffer, especially, Lord, when we suffer for you. Give us courage, God, to hold on to your name above everything else, even when people think badly of us, to never give up. So that like these early believers, we could see a glimpse of a kingdom that has no end. And we could hold tightly to your hand no matter what. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.